0: Welcome to episode 249 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you like Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, I hope that you'll leave a comment or a five-star rating. Your ratings and comments help new people find this show, or even better, if you know someone that you think will like the show tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I know told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you want to support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link in the show notes. Your support helps Stageworthy continue to bring you great conversations in theater. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 249 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is multidisciplinary artist Reba Turlson. You are you are described as an actor, producer, and playwright.
1: Yes, that is
0: that. Does that encompass the way that you like to be described?
1: Yes, I would say so. I would describe myself as that, which would be for me under the umbrella of like a multidisciplinary artist.
0: What? So what? What was your gateway before you were multidisciplinary? <laughs> was there one area that you were um, focusing on?
1: Yeah, uh, I was definitely um, an actor, still am an actor. Uh, Sometimes I come in and out of the joy of being an actor, the quote unquote joy of being an actor. Um, But uh, yeah, I went to, I went to, that's what I went to theater school for, went to theater school for acting. I started liking acting in high school. That's what I thought that I was always like going to do. And then um, when I was in university, I was also taking English courses um, because this is me saying that other people have told me this, that I'm a, um, an okay, good writer. So An okay,
0: good writer?
1: <laughs> I think I'm putting the okay in it, but people would tell me I'm a good writer and I would brush it off a lot because I never believed it. Uh, I just
0: want to say that I think I'm glad that other people are not saying, okay, good writer, because that kind of undercuts the good writer. So...
1: (laughs) No, that's me interjecting my own, like... uh like uh, a little bit self-loathing there, but, uh
0: uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but because I, I like creative writing, I did it in high school. I was taking English courses uh, throughout university. I took creative writing courses that I did well. in, and then I went and like, yeah, so basically, but for me, it was two separate worlds. It was, I am taking, and first of all, I've never taken a playwriting course ever just to like clarify that i have never taken one <laughs> um, so uh for me it was this is in one category and my acting in theater is in another category and then one year i think i helped produce i helped produce a fringe show and i had never done that before because my friend asked me to, and she was also like, "But you are also going to be in it, and that was like the cinch for me. I was like, "Well, if I can be in it, then okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I helped her do that, and then I think either the year after or the year after that, I think I submitted for the Winnipeg Fringe Festival, um not thinking that I would get in, and I got in and then <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no." <laughs> And then my dad actually wrote the first Fringe play that I like really produced by myself with his help. But it was like my concept and my idea. And now I'm trying to now I've done two plays that I've more written since then. And I'm kind of trying to trying to work on it. But for me, they were always very separate things. And people mm-hmm. would always tell me that I was a good writer. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't believe that. Or they would say, you have a really good ear for dialogue. And I was like, I don't think that's true. Um, but interesting then reading like reviews and stuff and people being like this dialogue. And I was like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> where? Okay. Okay. I, cause one of the, uh, there was an article that, that I saw, um, on the Uniter oh, where love- you were talking about, uh, uh, imposter syndrome. So this yeah. sounds a little bit like imposter syndrome. It is. It's very so much. let's just, let's just talk about, talk about that for a second. Um, cause I think. Imposter syndrome is something that almost everybody suffers from but few people talk about.
1: Oh, I definitely have it.
0: <laughs> so um, do I. And I mean I think I think mo many of us who write mm-hmm. absolutely do.
1: Yeah. I think for me because um uh, it, I think it's the it's the one thing that I struggle to like uh, name myself as cuz I'm like Yes, I'm an actor. Yes, I'm a producer because I help, because I produce my own shows and I help other people produce their shows. Yes, I'm a theater artist. Um, When I put the category of writer, I'm always like, I really don't want to. I'm like, I. I'm like, I, I guess I sort of do it, um, and I don't know why. I think for me, it comes from a feeling of I have friends and know people that have, like, that's been their jam this entire time, mm. like, being a playwright, and they took playwriting classes, and that was, like, their major, and that was the thing they did, and I feel really shitty being like, oh, hey, this thing I just, like, picked up and now, quote, unquote, have a skill in. <laughs>
0: It is it is so funny the way that the way that we 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 play this 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 kind of game with our brains. Like, what is the thing that will allow us to call ourselves a writer? Yeah. One of the things that, that helped me was discovering that one of my favorite authors, Neil Gaiman, suffers from imposter syndrome. Yeah. Which made me realize that, like, oh, wait a second. No, this is it doesn't matter how mm. successful you are. Yeah, That doesn't let you off the hook as far as imposter syndrome goes.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and uh, my dad's a writer. So I always feel like and he would always call me a writer. That's not him. Mm. Like, You're not a writer. But my dad's a writer. And uh, to me, I'm like, but I'm not like there. It's just a thing I dabble in. It's like I dip my toes into the shallow end of the pool. And then if something else comes out, I'll like leave mm. the pool. <laughs>
0: I think I, I hedge my bets as far as calling myself a writer goes by calling myself in conversation a theater maker, which gets to encompass right whatever I want it to in that moment and yeah. whatever somebody thinks it is. Yeah. But I don't have to say the words. I'm a writer.
1: Exactly. That's why I think I like the term like theater artist or like yes. theater or something, because it's like, but I do more than one thing and it can be whatever, I guess. To me, and like it can be whatever I want it to be in whatever space I'm currently in.
0: <laughs> now you mentioned getting the theater bug in high school. Had you done any kind of acting before that, or was high school the thing that got you in?
1: Um, I think like I was. I'm just trying to remember. Like I took like random classes like at Manitoba Theater for Young People um, at. Royal Winnipeg Ballet, they take they do like musical theater classes here. Um, So I was taking those and then had like drama class like in high school. And the high school I went to, we always had like, these like, really like, uh, very involved, like musicals. And that was like a huge thing that we did, because our music program was really good. Um, so I was really into singing and acting and all of that thing. And I was one of those, I think, like, it's at like 17, 18, that I was like, I know what I want to do. <laughs> um, and definitely just like wanted to dive, dive right into that uh, right away. And I've always liked it. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. it was a revelation to me that I like, and like kind of throughout high school, whatever I, I like, I'd be in a play here, I'd be in a play there, but like, I always knew, I think that it was something that I really like I grew up watching TV. I grew up watching a lot of TV. I grew up watching movies with my family. That was like Friday night movies was like a thing. It was a staple in my household. It was like, we went to the video store and me and right. my brother would often invite friends over. And it was like this, like, my dad showed us so many movies that I wouldn't have otherwise like been exposed to maybe in a normal childhood. So mm. it was always something that I like, I think it was going to happen whether like I was definitely the person that spearheaded that. Like I was always going to be a creative person. Like it has kind of happened to be that I want to act more than I want to like do other things.
0: (laughs) But your, your gateway into that was musicals. That musicals were your gateway drug into theater. Do you remember, do you (laughs) remember what the first one was?
1: Oh gosh. Um, If I think back to elementary school, which was not a musical, although I was in musicals in elementary school, I think (laughs) there was a grade six one that I that uh, this was also really funny because we obviously did an adaptation. um, But in grade six, we did an adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream that I remember really specifically um, that I really liked. And I think I don't even think I was like a main character. I think I was like a narrator or whatever. But like I was so into it, and then mm. did like a musical that was like, I think uh, the year after or something, we did a musical that was like Phantom of the Music Room, which is like it's <laughs> such a Google it. It's so kid like, it's so adorable. um But like I was so into that, and like like putting on makeup to like go and like perform and like just like. I felt like, I don't know, I think I felt more myself on stage. I don't know if that was mm. like a reality, but uh, my dad always talks to me because my brother is also an artist and he always talks that he's like, I can never do what you folks do in the way that like he would always see, especially because we're really involved in Fringe together. He would always see me like get so I guess nervous and ramped up and he was like, and I don't know what happens to you, but when you go on stage, none of it is there it's like totally disappeared and i'm like cuz it's one of the places i think i feel the most comfortable i like uh, like when i think of being on stage versus being in my daily life i'm like oh my god put me on a stage i'm like
0: <laughs> there is so much in terms of the the freedom there is so much like the freedom i know people who be like oh like get on stage and people are looking at you. I can't like, how can you do that? And there's also almost like, yes, but then you have permission.
1: Yes. I love that. To
0: be what you need to be. Right. Instead of like, nobody, people don't judge you for doing the thing. It's what you're there to do.
1: Exactly. I think that's how, yeah. I like, I, I think I get nervous beforehand, but only because mm. like, I don't even know why, like, it's not that I'm never like, don't feel like prepared or anything. it's just like but it's more like a it's the nervousness adrenaline that gets me going again. yes yeah like, oh God, but I gotta go on stage. <laughs> so
0: I almost think that I mean that's sort of like a necessary thing and not necessarily nerves and maybe sometimes it is nerves, but there should be some kind of excitement, right yeah, And if yeah. if that ever stopped, if you were ever like sitting backstage before this show started thinking to yourself, oh whatever. Like, right. why would you even bother?
1: Right. Then I would stop, I think, if I'm yeah. feeling that way. And to me, I think, like, especially it's funny having this conversation right now because um, I think I'm really struggling right now with what it means to be like a white actor and things like that. And I'm just like, and for me also, just the... Uh, the audition process. And I was talking to Mm a friend of mine recently and she was like, you have to see auditioning as acting because sometimes it's the only acting that we get to do. And I was like, that is so brilliant. Mm -hmm. And so sad because to me, I think auditioning and acting are two very different things because I do get nervous for auditions and I get way more nervous than if somebody just pushed me on a
0: stage. Oh, sure. And there's a little bit more on the line with an audition.
1: And I don't like the process of auditioning. And
0: nobody does.
1: I, well, exactly. Right. I always feel like <laughs> people are like, I love auditioning. And I'm like, I don't think you're telling the truth. <laughs> um,
0: I'm always suspicious of somebody I, who says that they love auditioning. I'm like, um, I don't know how that's possible.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And like, I think for me, um, thinking about that, to me, I also don't like the idea. And it's taken me, I think, a long time to, like, really realize this, which is, I think, why I started creating fringe shows, because I was like, but I'm not getting cast in things. And it was really very upsetting to, I mean, it still sometimes is obviously upsetting, but um, it was really frustrating. And I was like, oh, and I guess, like, talking, I think, talking to, um, especially with Winnipeg, we get so many different artists coming through, and um, my... My friend, Sam Mullins, actually, who's a Toronto, um, uh, I think he was born in Vancouver, but now he's a Toronto-based comedian, storyteller, uh, brilliant person. And uh, I remember having a conversation with him one of the first times I met him. And he was like, why don't you do that? And I was like, I don't think I can. And he was like, I think you can. And I was like, what? Mm. (laughs) Mm.
2: Um,
1: So especially like that community, I think has really kind of helped me Be like, but what if I did that thing? Um, Because at the end of the day, I think when we're auditioning and going and doing those things, we're putting our ability in somebody else's hand. And it's like, please pick me to kind of do the thing. And at the end of the day, we don't have control over it.
0: No, but there's something wonderful about the about fringe and indie theater where you're putting your work out there. Mm-hmm. And you can, you'll be more invested in that than you ever will for something else that somebody just sort of yeah. cast you in.
1: It's very, it's yours. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> um,
0: now I want to go back to something you sort you said, um, just a couple of minutes ago that you're, you're struggling with being a white actor.
1: Right. And can I you talk a little bit about it, that. I don't even know that I phrased that correctly. I probably phrased it wrong.
0: That's fine. What um, like can you try to try to delve a little bit more into that? What do you mean?
1: A little bit. Um I think right now that um my voice and my art are not the things that need to be seen in this world and that we need to be raising other people's voices. We need to be raising BIPOC voices and BIPOC artists and um trying to kind of help that kind of in our world right now. And to me, that might mean, you know, taking a step back from what I'm doing. And um, my creative side might be being like, oh, but don't do that. But also realizing the importance of doing that and raising up other voices that aren't mine. Um, so I guess when I say struggling, but it's a good struggle challenge that needs to happen. And I'm glad that it's more so trying to happen. And I mean, we still have a lot of work to do, we still aren't doing enough. But. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm really trying to take a look at what that means, uh, for me right now.
0: It is certainly an interesting, an interesting thought. Um, I think there's, there, there's, to me, that sounds like there's almost a danger there of like, oh, I should stop doing this thing that I love that fuels me, but that doesn't raise anybody up.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I think if I can just sort of like jump in and say a couple of things on that, um, I have been thinking about myself, you know, outside of the podcast, if I do a fringe show, how can I, you know, amplify voices if I'm doing, and I do a solo work a lot of times at fringe. Mm -hmm. Um, how do I raise up others? Um, how do I amplify voices? It's me on stage, but what else can I do? And I'm trying to come up with ways to do that. Yeah. In other ways, I think there needs to be, as far as the fringe movement goes, um, There needs to be more work done to make fringe a more friendly atmosphere for BIPOC people.
1: And a more safe atmosphere, I would say. Um, Yeah. Again, I can't really speak to, um, and I'm not trying to speak to how that is uh, for a person of color because I am not. Um, but uh, just kind of being in conversation with someone where that might be an issue Mm -hmm. uh, was really raised to my attention last summer where it was things that I didn't necessarily register or know and Mm -hmm. and just be like, oh, okay, this is happening. Okay, so what are the next steps we can do to try to make this a safer space and for everyone to be okay and be kind of, wanting to be in this creative space without feeling like they might like not be in a safe space to do that. in.
0: Yeah. There's also, I mean, if you, I look around it, at some of the fringes I've been at and they are largely white,
1: they're incredibly white. Holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember a couple of years ago there in, in, the, at the Toronto fringe, there was almost a hashtag fringe. So white, or at least yeah. it was one of those things that was yeah. sort of whispered about. And yeah. that's not, just toronto it's a lot of fringes
1: definitely winnipeg too so
0: yeah i've you know i remember being on tour uh a number of years ago out to the to uh, we did uh uh, montreal calgary Mm -hmm. winnipeg edmonton and i don't recall people of color Mm -hmm. i don't recall any bipoc people in the fringe that year yeah and, and also
1: recognizing, like, just because I'm thinking of a conversation I was recently in, or I got to take part in, as in I was viewing a panelist of, um, folks from the Winnipeg theater community talking about kind of, um, racism and um how we change our theater community and um, things like that. I think what we also have to realize, when I think about Fringe and stuff, I've had the fortune of, um, like. If I don't have the money, I know I my parents have helped me out um, with producing work and giving me money to produce work. And sometimes, and a lot of the time, money is a barrier. And like, especially like I think of like all the admin fees or like fringe fees or whatnot to do all the things to mm-hmm. posters and handbills. Never mind like the, um, like I saved up to apply to Edmonton Fringe. Because I saved money from like my fringe show that was like in 2019 to like apply to Edmonton Fringe because Edmonton Fringe's fee is so insane to even apply. Like,
0: well, because you, ha- Edmonton is the only one where you have to pay their full fee up front. Yeah. And if you don't get in, they give it back. But,
1: yeah. oh, God. That's- well, no one's going to want me in Edmonton now. <laughs>
0: oh, no, but you know what? I mean, I think the people in Edmonton are well aware yeah. of how.
1: <laughs> but of that particular barrier and i think it's a privilege that i often didn't think about because i was like oh of course i have that money or even if i don't have mm. that money i have resources that i can ask people and i'm yeah. like well, what are we doing to but i like it's a weird line because i know that obviously fringes have to make money otherwise they wouldn't happen but what are we doing how can how can we Make it more accessible financially to people. Mm-hmm. Are we doing yeah. anything about that? Um, and uh, and again, this is just me kind of talking out loud. But uh, and
0: I don't. But I think these are the important questions that have to be asked at every Fringe festival yeah. and at the calf level as well. These are are questions that have to be asked. And what can the Fringes do mm-hmm. to make sure that like if that that the performers of color who come are safe regardless of where that fringe happens. There are some places where your people, a person of color might not feel comfortable.
1: And I think that they're totally in their right to not feel comfortable. Yes. Because there are shitty people on the fringe circuit. And that also needs to be said. There are shitty, dangerous people on the fringe circuit. And I understand that it is not always even a safe space for me as Mm -hmm. a a white girl. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think they're important, important conversations, and I think the, I think there's learning mm-hmm. how to make space, how to hold space, yeah. and how to uh, amplify voices that don't necessarily mean that that. And I don't think anybody is asking anybody not to try to make their art, right? Just to make space and to amplify. Yeah. If you have a platform, you should one hundred percent be putting the voices around you of people of color of black people of indigenous people, uh, uh, out there. That's just, that's just a fact.
1: Yeah. And also to be able to hold each other accountable. And also I think to dismantle like a bit of, um, the racism we already have that we're all, Mm -hmm. that we're still currently doing. Like, it's not like it went away. (laughs) Um, and the dismantling of like, uh, for me, that looks like right now, really looking at the theaters in my community, what they have done, what they are doing. Are they going to be um, accountable? Are they going to be held accountable? Um, and kind of, yeah, just. I don't, I,
0: but I think, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I think that the that's where uh, your, your voice, my voice can be used to amplify, because they've all made statements mm-hmm. about. How about you know, oh, we haven't done such a great job. we pledge to do to do more yeah. when this moment is over, right, and they announce a we need to be telling them that they that we remember that you said this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we expect you to follow through, and if you don't, we're gonna tell you about it,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Um as when do you remember when when you first? what what when, when, when uh, <laughs> wow speaking um when was your first fringe
1: um my first fringe as like a producer and an actor uh was 2015 my first fringe as an actor was 2014
0: and what uh what were you uh, wh- when was your first fringe that you went to
1: oh gosh I, I feel like a bad fringe person only because it might have been 2013. <laughs>
0: that's okay I mean I find that I find that a little bit uh unusual based on the fact that you know in it's Winnipeg and when when I was in Winnipeg uh for fringe with 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 the show I was doing back in the day like we were amazed at how many people know what fringe is
1: yeah it's a real kind of it's a th- like, I mean, this is not to me to be like, it's not a thing in other cities, because obviously that's untrue. Um, but uh, especially here, um, like, I'm so sad it's not happening this year. There's so many things mm. because of COVID that aren't happening this year. Um, but it's like, it's also it's long, like Edmonton's is long. It's like two weeks or 10 days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and people take time off like, legitimately, like, folks take time off to go to Winnipeg Friends Festival. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say I feel bad that Mm -hmm. I think I did my first acting show in 2014, I might have, and before that, in either 2012 or 2013, I volunteered. And the only reason that, like, that was the first year that I went was because I used to work at a summer camp, and I was never at home during summer. Um, so right. I was out of town July and August, and was not even aware, and like not even aware. And I was in theater school, and I was not aware that mm. fringe was like such a big thing. Wow! Um, because I wasn't home, so right. Um, yeah, I, I always am like, I'm embarrassed at, quote, unquote, <laughs> the game of Winnipeg Fringe I came to because people are like, oh, but you must have been. And I'm like, I've only been kind of doing it for five years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's interesting because 2012 was the year that I was in my show was at the the the, the Winnipeg Fringe. Oh,
2: was your show. Uh, Maybe I saw uh, it. It
0: was, <laughs> it was called uh, The Last Man on Earth, and it was a silent film Ooh. style play. I was there the same year that uh, Sam Mullins was doing uh, Tinfoil Dinosaur. See,
1: I heard about Tinfoil Dinosaur and I've never Mm -hmm. seen Sam do it because I don't think I, because the year I met Sam was 2014. Right. So uh, that, like, I know of his show Tinfoil Dinosaur, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, Uh. But that's why I'm fuzzy on if I started in 2012 or 2013, because I know 2013, I think i was traveling and then i came home kind of in time for winnipeg fringe right um but yeah
0: (laughs) i don't want it to sound like i had the year that i was in winnipeg on the tip of my tongue (laughs) i i mean i don't remember years i quickly like looked it up
2: amazing, but like
0: i do not i right now i can't even remember how long it's been since um i went grocery shopping so (laughs) i don't know
1: where are you calling me from, by the way?
0: Uh, I'm in Toronto right now.
1: You're in Toronto. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. How have things been for you under the, like, what's, what was the impact of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic on your plans for the summer and, 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 and everything else that you were doing and, and, and how are you right now? Oh,
1: well, thanks for asking. Um, Oh, man. So it's funny to me because this was actually the year because I've done, because I've written, produced and acted in a fringe show for the past three years. um, This year, I decided to take a break (laughs) and I did not submit for the Winnipeg Fringe. And then COVID happened. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe it wasn't meant to be. (laughs) Um, But I needed a break. I really did. I I needed the non-pressure for myself to be like, all of the months between January to April be like, why aren't you writing? <laughs> I needed to not have that. Um, but uh, yeah, but that being said, I was, um, and still sort of am, I was uh, being or going to be uh, helping like produce a fringe show that wasn't mine um, and kind of work with a theater company here and also be kind of their social media uh, coordinator because um, I'm a person that really uh, likes social media and likes doing it uh, for theater companies and my own included. And um, so that was kind of my quote unquote fringe plan um, was that I wasn't going to be in a show, but I was going to help someone with their show. And I was also going to go to Toronto at the end of May um, because I had signed up and gotten into a, um, the Moving Voice Institute, which is a program that, um, I did a workshop here in December for like four days. And then, um, I applied to their program, um, which is, I think it's like two weeks or something. Um, you could do a two week one or a three week one. And I was supposed to go to Toronto at the end of May into June. And I had taken time off of work to go do that. And obviously that didn't happen. And that was kind of disappointing. (laughs) Um, and I wanted to go to Edmonton um, to kind of vacation um, during their Fringe Festival and see Vampire Weekend because I know Vampire Weekend was going to play during that time. Um, so, yeah, now it's like, oh, I guess I'm just staying at home and saving money.
0: <laughs> I mean, so are we all. Right. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I like right now. Yeah. We should be I should be in the middle of hype for fringe. Yes. Like as a person with a theater podcast, yeah. Not only should I have you know, people I should have been like for the last four weeks having people who are promoting their fringe shows on. Yeah. And I'll have people at the last minute going like, Oh, I have a fringe show, it opens next week. Can I come on your podcast? And yeah. I have to say no. But like I should be getting ready to to see shows. Yes. Definitely. But- there's nothing
1: there's nothing and normally like exactly i'm kind of in the same a little bit i'm just looking at my date here i'm a little bit in the same timeline i know toronto's is earlier but um like it's still like it's the end of june i'm thinking about when winnipeg tech would be which would be like the first weekend or maybe not the first it always falls on our folk festival weekend here (laughs)
2: the
1: first or the second weekend in july um, and kind of ramping around that and then figuring out, I'd also be figuring out whether I could go to folk festival or not, which is obviously not happening. Um, right. and yeah, and yeah, like normally I would be, and I'd still be like getting amped up even though I wasn't necessarily like in a show and looking forward to seeing all my friends that would come to Winnipeg because I only least yeah. them once a year. Um, yeah.
0: And, you know, you'd be planning out what shows you want to see. And that's a big, that's a big thing as well.
1: Yeah, I would definitely be doing
0: that. (laughs) And how are you, how are you dealing with the, the time right now of, of, you know, not having that coming up of, of theaters being closed and everything else? How, how are you keeping yourself busy?
1: Um. Well, I feel fortunate in in some ways in that because I've been unemployed in the past, I kind of know what I need to do to make myself feel like I'm doing something, or like so that I don't get into I'm just gonna watch Netflix all day, which I could very easily do.
2: Oh yeah, have that will. in the
1: past. Um, <laughs> but I'm a very routine like person. That's the very uh Virgo in me, and that I need to kind of set out a schedule and a routine. So I try to get up at the same time. Um, I tend to work out in the mornings. Um, I try to go to bed at the same time I'm taking like online courses. Um, what else am I doing? I, I was taking, um, voice lessons, but they ended. I'm currently taking ukulele lessons and my dance studio that's in Winnipeg, uh, just opened up like for phase three. So I'm going to dance about or three times a week I think
0: like you get to go like to the studio
1: yes because man because well I mean I don't know if you've looked at like um like Matt like Winnipeg uh we're opening up a lot it's very frightening Mm. (laughs) yeah but like anything that you think might be closed is probably not closed anymore
0: (laughs) yeah we're just entering phase two in Toronto and I'm still not sure we're mature enough for that
1: yeah, I'm still not. Con- there are so many people that uh, aren't wearing masks, and it's scary.
0: And yeah, there was there's all kinds of you know shenanigans. People yeah. there was like a massive party at the beach a couple weekends well, ago, I and it's just like
1: saw that. Yeah. I was I was scared for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, yeah.
0: <laughs> you but you're dabbling. You're you're learning the ukulele. Had you picked it up before?
1: Um. So funny in that I have always wanted to, but, uh, so wow. last year at the end of my fringe show, a family friend of mine who apparently had a ukulele, um, like gave me his ukulele and was like, here, I think you would actually use this. And it's just like sitting in my house. Hmm. And I'm like, I would actually use this. Um, so I just like, when I say I just started, I mean, like my first class was like last week, <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So it's only like four weeks because I thought I could only commit to about like, I didn't want to overcommit myself, which is something I tend to do.
0: It's um, very smart though.
1: So it's, I love that it's only a four week class and I just learn what I learn because I'm the kind of person I think that I could like learn it myself, but I think where's the accountability if I just like, go on YouTube and I'm like, but I don't have, I don't have anywhere to be. I don't have anyone to show this to. So <laughs>
0: there, there is that for sure. The, the, the need, the desire to, yeah. to, to, I don't know, for some acknowledgement that you're doing a thing.
1: <laughs> a little bit.
0: <laughs> I think we all want it. Cause you know, uh, there's, there's that moment. Cause I, I just, I just realized that we've been on, in this situation for a hundred days. Yeah and at that point i'm like i okay first off 100 days seems like a lot
1: oh my gosh
0: it also seems like not much because i feel like we started doing this last year
1: yeah march seems like a very long time ago
0: it does (laughs)
1: like
0: and and there's uh, there's a lot of like what am i doing oh i've played a few video games how many video games let's not talk about that
1: But I think when I and I say all these things that I've been doing, but that's only because like I know the kind of person I am and I need and I know what I need to do to kind of Mm -hmm. keep my mental health like at like I don't want to say at bay, but like to keep it kind of in a good position. Because I mm. think that during this time, there was this insane and insane, it's not the right word, but like this very like desperate need to create and this desperate need to write a thing and produce a thing and show a thing, especially for artists being like, but what are we doing? Because everything is closed. And I'm like, but why yeah. don't we just like calm down and did nothing because we don't need to do things or we don't need to. I don't know, we're in a pandemic, the rules don't apply, the yeah. rules of normal productivity don't apply. And I think really allowing myself to live into that has been really good. And it's only now as we're near the end of June that I reached out to a friend and I was like, hey, I have this idea for a project, but oh. I wasn't working on like, I didn't have it till like last week. <laughs> like, and it's and it only like, I only want to do it because it's something that I really want to do. It's not because I feel the need to create something because we're in the pandemic of COVID-19.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I was putting on, I've been putting at the beginning, the first few weeks, I sort of fell victim to a lot of that. Oh, oh, if you don't come out of this with a new play, a new project, a new skill, what is all this time for? Yeah. And I was like, but. And I would sit down and I would say, okay, write something. And I couldn't do it. Yeah, I thought, I felt like there was this, when there's anxiety, it's not the time for creativity. And there was oh, okay. this yeah. palpable anxiety just hanging over everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet there's also a lot of people who were doing like, suddenly there was like, I'm doing a video thing. And yeah. all of these things popping up and um, it was fascinating. It was great. It was wonderful to see, yes, we're going to keep people entertained. So it's not just Netflix and stuff, but there was also a certain amount of panic involved Yes. in that.
1: Yeah. And I think about, because I too, at the beginning was like, oh my gosh. And I think I did a play reading of mine, like on like Facebook near the beginning of the pandemic. Cause I was like, wouldn't that be cool if I did that? And then I did that and I was like, oh, I guess that was, to me, it was like, oh, that was just a thing I did. And realizing <laughs> kind of like, cause I, because we did it and we read it on a plot. Mm. We read it. It was just actors reading a play on, it was basically like actors reading a play on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow. Like just thinking back now, I'm like, did we need that? Like, I don't know if we needed that. Yeah. Um, But I was like, whatever, I did it. It was fine. Um, But yeah, just really, I think just I'm just really examining myself being like, do I need to do something? And then like, correcting myself being like, I only should do something if I want to do something. And I'm saying that also, because even though COVID and the pandemic is happening, and all of that, like. Between March and like May, it was still like theater audition season here. So, every so I say, what else have I been busy doing? Was I was I had an audition every few weeks, like if not every week, it was every two weeks. (laughs) So, Hmm. I was still doing things. It was just, yeah, I never got a chance to quote unquote be bored because then I would get (laughs) an audition notice and then I would be like, well, guess I should submit for that.
0: There's an interesting uh, thing that I've been thinking about a lot about, you know, all of these uh, uh, virtual productions, these video productions that have, you know, as people start still trying to, to find some kind of replacement for the fringe, mm-hmm. there's all these artists, Toronto Fringe is having a virtual fringe. There's the fringe live stream, yeah, live stream initiative as well. Yeah. And there's all these things. The one thing outside of, outside of that, is we haven't figured out how to monetize this stuff. So all of these play readings and performances that happened before
2: mm-hmm.
0: this were basically just given away.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Which is no way for an artist to make a living.
1: No. Nope.
0: <laughs> I mean, yes, we were bo- you're bored, but you know, after a certain point, once we started to figure stuff out, we do have to figure out how to monetize this. If we're not going to be back in a theater till January potentially. Exactly. Since you're reading, have you been tempted to do something digitally?
1: (laughs) Oh man. Um, Good question. Uh, uh, I briefly had an idea because fringe live stream was happening. So I had an idea that I was like, Oh, I want to create this thing um, to possibly do digitally. Um, And it was only sort of a half baked form. I formed idea. But um, I just recently reached out to my friend who lives in Toronto, um, but she's from Winnipeg. Um, and uh, we were going to do like a... Once upon a time, we had we were involved in a project that never happened in Winnipeg. Um, and I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I found this script. Remember this project we were going to do that that didn't happen? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, but I kind of want to do either it or something like it. And she was like, yeah, I'd be really interested in that. So we've been having, I think we had a meeting last week, we have a meeting this week, um, kind of uh, about what that's going to look like. And that will be being done on a streaming platform. And I think we're thinking of doing it on YouTube. I think that's what we decided upon because other um, there's a, there's a comedy group here called hunks. And I think we were looking at, um, they've streamed stuff on YouTube before, and it just looked really clean and there was no um, discrepancies or like, uh, like kind of buffering issues or anything like that. So, um, that's kind of what I'm, that's my quote unquote now slash July project.
0: (laughs) I think it's interesting. I think you're you're probably making the right choice. I know for myself, uh, seeing stuff happening, say on Facebook, sometimes that can be choppy. But it all all depends on every, so many factors yeah. as far as all of that goes. But it's good to good to hear that you're starting to to feel that creative thing happening again.
1: And it's taken a long, I think it's taken a long time for me to kind of want to do something in that regard and want to create something. Um, I was also, and am a part of, there's an emerging creative unit um, in Winnipeg. And we kind of, well, we're under the guise of uh, doing theater and kind of creating theater for young audiences. So I was also doing that in this um, pandemic time and started writing, that was an, that's another project that I'm I have no idea what that's gonna look like but I wrote some scenes about um, like a, scenes for a play for a theater for young audiences show that hmm. I'm very excited about so nice. I didn't know I had that in me so that was really cool to discover as well because I would never think that I would be able to write a show um, for young, for younger people that aren't of the age of like, at least 17. (laughs) 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 Let's throw some adult content in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I know what you mean about, about not feeling the creative urge for quite some time. I feel like it's just starting to creep back in for me after the first initial trying to force something to happen and realizing it just wasn't going to happen, Mm -hmm. that now it's starting to feel like, Oh, there might be something there, but it's taken a long time.
1: It's taken a long time. And I always think how much, I don't know if turmoil is the right word, but how much of my brain space was just overwhelmed and feeling tired and exhausted and all these things um, that, it just needed to slow down. And so there are very weird ways in which I'm grateful for the pandemic. But obviously, I don't want people to get COVID-19. I don't want that upon anybody. Um, but I am grateful in a small way that it allowed me to like, slow down because my life was probably being too busy, which I think mm-hmm. um, if people are like me in this regard, I associate um, I'm like happy or feeling good because I'm busy and productive, and my my status of myself is defined by how busy I am and how productive I am. and I think mm-hmm. that can be obviously not just if we're not just talking about the art world or we're talking about your job or whatever that looks like for you, which might not be art related. um I think a lot of people do have that like, but I don't know what to do if I'm not. Yeah. busy or if i'm not doing the things that i normally do and i'm like but the world has shut down
0: yes yeah
1: To be okay with that and this was the world telling us all to like wake the fuck up like
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so yeah in small ways i'm grateful
0: are you familiar with maslow's hierarchy of needs
1: oh that sounds so familiar but- it
0: seeing here like seeing that so took so much pressure off me because it was pointed out that like so there's five levels of the hierarchy of needs yeah uh like physiological needs which is like food air shelter Mm -hmm. safety needs personal safety love and belonging esteem at the top is Mm self-actualization you need the basis to be able to get to the being able to be creative which is would be under self-actualization and we're at level two struggling (laughs) to have safety so of course none of us could really be that creative
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense. and that
0: took so much pressure off me to be like oh i i feel like such a failure because i haven't been writing something and now i'm like no there's a reason for that
1: Mm -hmm. i think it's always good to talk to other um creators artists in this time and for all of us to be like um I don't think I need to create anything right now and then just to kind of share in that and not feel guilty about it
2: yeah yeah absolutely Uh,
1: really nice um because I don't think I come across an artist that's been like you know what I need to be like super productive right now and it's like you know what maybe my productivity can take a back seat for like a month (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i've I've really appreciated the people who are really open about the fact that they're not doing anything yeah that they haven't been creative I yeah. really appreciate that
1: me too <laughs> if only to like ease my guilt of <laughs> me not being creative.
0: I think we have to be honest about it because otherwise the majority of us are in that situation where we're not being creative and can't be. And then otherwise we're just lying to each other and playing these terrible head games.
1: Oh, let's not do that.
0: <laughs> no. So as we start to draw to a close, one of the questions that has been, that I've liked to ask people, especially at this time, is what is giving you joy? What what helps you get from day to day and and gives you that spark of joy in a time that is, can be very stressful?
1: Um, This is going to sound so cheesy when I say it, (laughs) but I'm going to say dancing um, because, uh, so COVID happened and the dance studio that I literally have only started going to in September um, shut down um, and I was in some programs there. And, uh, but then they managed to like, their platform online so i was taking online courses and they figured it out to do through zoom um so i was still able to take classes and then recently my studio opened back up again and just being able to be around people and i think i i wrote a facebook status the other day that just feels really good that was like and it sounds so trivial, is like haha i wrote a facebook status but (laughs) what i love about to me what i love about dancing is I know I don't have to be good at it um because I'm not um because I like doing it and I know I'm not like I'm not somebody that's been dancing since the age of 5 um but uh like just the energy and for me it's uh, now that my dance studio has opened um being around other people being around other people I don't live with <laughs> um has been really great um and uh their mantra uh this uh dance community. I'm a part of called Drop and Dance Winnipeg. Their mantra is dance is a community. And I've created so many lovely connections with people that I would never normally create with um, because I'm not involved in the dance world of Winnipeg, Manitoba. (laughs) Um, But to me, uh, that's been the thing that gives me the most joy. I remember I was walking to class the other day and I ran into a friend of mine and she was like, where are you going? And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to dance class. And she was like, you look so happy right now. You look like you like, you look like you're really excited to be where you're going to go. And I'm like, that's really true. Um, so whenever I'm dancing right now, whether that's like, mostly it's like when I'm in a class, um, but, or even if it's like by myself, um, that's the thing that, uh, continues to bring me joy and it's very yeah i don't know it's it's really what's been getting me through that uh through my pandemic that and my antidepressants because my antidepressants are a (laughs) godsend
0: sorry reba thank you so much this has been a great conversation i appreciate it
1: thank you thank you so much for having me